Good morning, Woodmont. Welcome to worship on this final Sunday of Advent. This Thursday is Christmas Eve, and we are offering a number of different services, both at the church and online. Uh, at four o'clock, we will have a children's and family service outside at Campbell West. Uh, you can also come in your car and uh, park in the back parking lot to be a part of that. At five o'clock, we'll have a children's and family service uh, here in the sanctuary uh, with masks, socially distanced, and that will be live streamed. And then at seven o'clock, we'll have a uh, service of uh, communion and candlelight, and that will also be live streamed. Uh, on the computer as well. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Loving God, on this final Sunday of Advent, open our hearts and minds that we can hear a word from you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Christmas is a, a time to reflect, a time to reminisce in many ways. And so this week I have found myself uh, thinking back to uh, Christmases in Memphis uh, from when I was growing up. We had some family traditions that we would do every year. On Christmas Eve Eve, uh, our family would uh, have shrimp cocktail and then we'd get in the car and go drive around the different neighborhoods and see the lights uh, that were in people's yards and in the neighborhoods that would collaborate uh, and do the lights together. Then we'd come back to the house and we'd all get to open one early Christmas present uh, so that we could focus on it, be thankful for it, play with it. Uh, and uh, that was always something that we looked forward to. My dad had one of those old school camcorders, you know, the ones that you would basically sit on your shoulder, and he would record us sitting in front of the fire and in front of the tree, uh, singing Christmas carols, and then years later, he would show those videos to our high school uh, girlfriends and uh, significant others when they would come over, uh, almost as though, you know, he could hold that over our heads. On Christmas Eve, we'd always go to church at five o'clock the family service, and then we go over to a friend's house with a number of other families for dinner. And then I would always go back to church at 11 o'clock with my dad uh, for the candlelight service that would go into the wee hours of Christmas morning. Uh, always a beautiful service and a, a great tradition. On Christmas Day, we'd get up and we'd come downstairs and uh, we'd all Four of us have to poke our heads around the corner, one at a time, starting with our youngest brother, Jordan. And we would do that, and uh, we had to do that for a picture before we could come in and see what Santa brought. And, and, and this tradition continued on even after I was in college and graduate school for some reason. The year that I lost my mom, 2005, I'd moved back from Princeton to Memphis. Uh, I just bought my first house and I intentionally closed on the house on Christmas Eve because uh, I wanted a distraction that Christmas, just a few months after uh, losing my mother to suicide. And so we moved in to that house that first Christmas and um, that was just a way for us to stay busy and not 
think about the pain that we were experiencing. That Christmas, my sister gave me a golden retriever puppy that I named Tucker. And that puppy brought great joy and companionship during a difficult time in my life. In fact, that dog came with me here to Nashville. Some of you might remember uh, Tucker. What are your Christmas traditions from over the years? Do you stop and think about Christmas past from growing up or when your children were younger, when times were, were different? What's changed in your life over the years? Things always change because no matter what happens for good or for bad, life presses forward. I was talking to Dr. Ben Curtis this week, who is our spiritual director in residence. He uh, uh, works over at Campbell West, but Ben Curtis has had a very difficult year. Uh, he's battled health challenges. He came very close to death multiple times uh, in his bout with, with cancer. And so it was good to catch up with Ben, but he said something to me this week that I really have been reflecting on. He said, Clay, I've decided that there are two things that we all have to deal with in life. And that's love and loss. Nobody gets a pass. Nobody is exempt. The only things that really matter are love and loss. In his classic book, The Wounded Healer, Henry Nouwen writes these words. He says, when we become aware that we do not have to escape our pains, but that we can mobilize them into a common search for life, those very pains are transformed from expressions of despair into signs of hope. Today we light the fourth candle on the Advent wreath, and that is the candle for love. Christmas is all about love. God's love for us, our love for God, and our love for each other. If you had to sum up all of the scriptures that we have read during the Advent season in one word, that word would be love. The love and the wisdom of the prophets in foretelling the birth of Christ. The love that Mary and Joseph had for that newborn baby that was born in a manger the love that the wise men showed as they followed the star and brought their gifts of gold, frankincense, and, and myrrh. The love of the shepherds as they went with haste to see what had been told to them. And the love of God, who sent his son into the world to teach us how to live and to teach us how to love. Amy Grant a very famous Christian musician here in Nashville, uh, a great uh, person, uh, wrote a song a number of years ago that is now played on the radio during December all the time. And the song is called My Grown-Up Christmas List. Do you remember the words to that song? She said, do you remember me? I sat upon your knee. I wrote to you with childhood fantasies. Well, I'm all grown up now and still need help somehow. I'm not a child, but my heart still can dream. 
So here's my lifelong wish, my grown-up Christmas list, not for myself, but for a world in need. And the chorus says, no more lives torn apart, that wars would never start, and time would heal all hearts, and everyone would have a friend, and right would always win, and love would never end. This is my grown-up Christmas list. What is your grown-up Christmas list this year? Is it a longing for inner peace? Is it to experience more joy in your life on a regular basis? Is it for a marriage to be healed or reconciled? Is it to handle stress and anxiety better? Is it to stop worrying about all the things that you can't control? Is it to find some friends who aren't superficial, who genuinely care about you? Is it to move further along in the process of grief or sadness? Is it to grow closer to God, to experience God's presence, to feel God's love and peace in your life? Today, our scripture reading comes from the fourth gospel, the gospel of John. John's gospel is certainly different from the other three gospels, the ones that we call the synoptic gospels. John was written in Ephesus sometime around the end of the first century, written by St. John the Apostle. By that time, there were two things that had happened uh, within Christianity. First of all, Christianity had gone out into the Gentile world, the non-Jewish world, largely due to the witness and missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. And secondly, because of that, Christianity had to be restated and re-explained, reframed, because of the growing number of followers who were not familiar with the Jewish context and worldview. So the fourth gospel never mentions John by name. We learn about him from the other three gospels. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was the one sitting next to Jesus at the Last Supper. And you might recall that it was into John's care that Jesus committed Mary when he was on the cross. You could describe the different gospels this way. Mark suits the missionary with the clear-cut account of the facts of Jesus's life. It's been called the bare-bones gospel. Matthew suits the teacher with his systematic account of Jesus's teachings. Luke suits the minister or the priest with his wide sympathy and his picture of Jesus as the friend to all. Luke was a physician and a Gentile. But John is the gospel of the contemplative the most spiritual of all the Gospels. Clement of Alexandria once said that John was not just interested in the mere facts of Jesus's life, but also in the spiritual meaning of those facts. John was after the truth. John did not see the events of Jesus's life and ministry simply as events in time, but as windows looking into eternity. So the language of the fourth gospel is beautiful and, and poetic. In the beginning, John writes, was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This is one of the most challenging texts in all the New Testament to understand. Because here John unveils his understanding of the mystery of the incarnation. 
But what do these words tell us about the, the nature of Jesus Christ, the nature of God? You see, for 70 years, John had thought about the life, the teachings, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Day by day, the Spirit had worked on him and had opened him to the, the meaning of all that Jesus had said and did during his life and ministry. So in the later years of his life, John decided that he needed to record these accounts, including his own theological interpretation of what had happened. And that's what we find in the fourth gospel. John writes, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. The true light that enlivens every person was coming into the world. Remember the way that the prophet Isaiah foretold the coming birth of the Messiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. And while Matthew and Luke's stories of Christ's birth tell us about the shepherds and the wise men and the, the bright and mysterious star, John tells the story of Jesus's birth in the fourth gospel by saying this, the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and full of truth. I like John's gospel because it gives us insight into the predicament that we all find ourselves in as human beings, especially in a year like this. This ongoing struggle in life between light and darkness. Aren't there certain people in certain situations that keep us from the light? That put us in a mood or a state of mind where we don't radiate the light? There are also those moments, incredible moments, when we are inspired by God's presence and we feel that all is right in life. But we, we, we go through times when we don't feel that way. We go through dark times, depression, despair, defeat, pandemics, disappointment. All of this is a part of life on earth. The light is there, but we can lose it. We can dwell in the darkness. And this is especially true when we experience tragedy and sorrow and sickness and death and jealousy and bitterness and envy and anger all the other things that can make the light disappear for some time. We can lose the light. We all know what it's like to lose the light from time to time. Christ has always been and will always be the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. The true light that enlivens every person was coming into the world, John writes. And if we're honest, this year... We've had to battle darkness. And some of that darkness we find within our own hearts because we all hurt, we all struggle, we all suffer, we all stumble. It's part of living in a broken world. You see, human beings are, are, are very complicated, complex creatures. We are created in God's image and God has given us the capacity to love and care for and encourage each other, to help each other. 
And thank goodness we don't have to journey through life alone because loneliness is painful. We live in community. We believe in community. We journey through life together, supporting one another, loving one another, hopefully forgiving one another. And that's what the church community is all about. But we know that there is this other side to us as well. And we all have it. And it's the side that we're not very proud of. Sometimes it seems like love gets pushed aside and the anger and resentment, the selfishness, the jealousy, the fear, bitterness, the greed, the hostility takes over inside of us, especially when we're fearful or stressed. And this isn't the way that we want to be. It's just the way that we sometimes get when certain things happen, when certain circumstances arise. And yes, we're usually ashamed when we act that way. Like Paul says, I I don't understand my own actions for I do the very thing that I hate. He writes that in Romans. All of us, no matter who we are, live with the ongoing tension of this struggle between the way that God has created us to be and the way that our sinful nature often causes us to be. And so we wrestle with this every single day, even at Christmas, because we are capable of both extremes. But at Christmas, we celebrate the light because it's the light that wins. It's the light that overcomes the darkness. Isaiah says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who've lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. I hope these words will ring true for you this week in these final days before Christmas Day. I love John's gospel because it reminds us that the darkness never has the final word. Never. And at Christmas, we celebrate the most magnificent child that was ever born into this world. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and full of truth. Friends, this is the Christmas miracle. God reaching out to a broken world so that the darkness never overcomes the light. And guess what? There are lots of other Christmas miracles that are happening all around us. Two vaccines that are now being distributed rapidly throughout our country and throughout the world from Pfizer and Moderna that will move us out of this pandemic in the coming months. Families who now realize how much they miss each other and how they've always taken for granted the ability to come together at the holidays. Spouses who've grown closer through the difficulties of this year, learning from each other, leaning on each other for love and support. Healthcare workers putting themselves at risk to care for the very sick patients that are in our hospitals not too far from here. We find Christmas miracles all around us. And if we pay attention, if we pay attention, we will see God at work all around us. Christmas is all about God's eternal light invading the darkness of the world through the birth of Jesus. Christmas is all about growing in our spiritual lives in a world that often causes us to be and to act many ways that aren't very spiritual. 
Yes, this Christmas is different. For many, this Christmas is very hard. But let's remember that the light still shines in the darkness, that miracles are still happening all over. And no matter what, love conquers all. That's what the birth of Jesus reminds us, that love conquers all. Remember that old Cherokee story about the grandfather and his grandson? His grandson was very angry, very upset with somebody. And and so the grandfather calmly sat next to him and he said, grandson, I want you to know there's a fight that goes on inside all of us. It's a terrible fight. And it's between two wolves. One is evil. This wolf is full of anger and envy and sorrow and greed and arrogance and self-pity and guilt and fear and inferiority and lies and pride and ego. But the other wolf is good. And this is the wolf that's full of joy and peace and love and hope and serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, truth, compassion, faith, and generosity. Grandson, the same fight goes on inside of you that goes on inside of all of us. The grandson thought about it for a few minutes and he looked at his grandfather and he said, well, well, which wolf wins? And the old Cherokee grandfather replied, he said, the wolf that you feed, that's the wolf that wins. Which wolf are you feeding this Christmas? Because it really matters. Every day we face the choice of which wolf we're going to feed. We need to feed the wolf of hope, peace, joy, and love. Love came down at Christmas. Love all lovely, love divine. Love was born at Christmas. Stars and angels gave the sign. Or as we sing in that beautiful carol, O Holy Night, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Merry Christmas. Amen.